Section two of a treatise concerning the principles of human knowledge by George Berkeley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of the principles of human knowledge. One, objects of human knowledge. It is evident to any one who takes a survey of the objects of human knowledge that they are either ideas actually imprinted on the senses, or else such as are perceived by attending to the passions and operations of the mind or lastly ideas formed by help of memory and imagination either compounding dividing or barely representing those originally perceived in the aforesaid ways by sight i have the ideas of light and colours with their several degrees and variations by touch i perceive hard and soft heat and cold motion and resistance and of all these more and less either as to quantity or degree smelling furnishes me with odours the palate with tastes and hearing conveys sounds to the mind in all their variety of tone and composition and as several of these are observed to accompany each other they come to be marked by one name and so to be reputed as one thing thus for example a certain colour taste smell figure and consistence having been observed to go together are accounted one distinct thing signified by the name apple other collections of ideas constitute a stone a tree a book and the like sensible things which as they are pleasing or disagreeable excite the passions of love hatred joy grief and so forth two mind spirit soul but besides all that endless variety of ideas or objects of knowledge there is likewise something which knows or perceives them and exercises diverse operations as willing imagining remembering about them this perceiving active being is what i call mind spirit soul or myself by which words i do not denote any one of my ideas but a thing entirely distinct from them wherein they exist or which is the same thing whereby they are perceived for the existence of an idea consists in being perceived three how far the ascent of the vulgar conceded that neither our thoughts nor passions nor ideas formed by the imagination exist without the mind is what everybody will allow and it seems no less evident that the various sensations or ideas imprinted on the sense however blended or combined together that is whatever objects they compose cannot exist otherwise than in a mind perceiving them i think an intuitive knowledge may be obtained of this by any one that shall attend to what is meant by the term exist when applied to sensible things the table i write on i say exists that is i see and feel it and if i were out of my study i should say it existed meaning thereby that if i was in my study i might perceive it or that some other spirit actually does perceive it note there was an odour that is it was smelt there was a sound that is it was heard a colour or figure and it was perceived by sight or touch this is all that i can understand by these and the like expressions for as to what is said of the absolute existence of unthinking things without any relation to their being perceived that seems perfectly unintelligible their esse is percipi nor is it possible they should have any existence out of the minds or thinking things which perceive them note first argument in support of the author's theory four the vulgar opinion involves a contradiction it is indeed an opinion strangely prevailing amongst men that houses mountains rivers and in a word all sensible objects have an existence natural or real distinct from their being perceived by the understanding 
but with how great an assurance and acquiescence soever this principle may be entertained in the world yet whoever shall find in his heart to call it in question may if i mistake not perceive it to involve a manifest contradiction for what are the forementioned objects but the things we perceive by sense and what do we perceive besides our own ideas or sensations and is it not plainly repugnant that any one of these or any combination of them should exist unperceived five cause of this prevalent error if we thoroughly examine this tenet it will perhaps be found at bottom to depend on the doctrine of abstract ideas for can there be a nicer strain of abstraction than to distinguish the existence of sensible objects from their being perceived so as to conceive them existing unperceived light and colours heat and cold extension and figures in a word the things we see and feel what are they but so many sensations notions ideas or impressions on the sense and is it possible to separate even in thought any of these from perception for my part i might as easily divide a thing from itself i may indeed divide in my thoughts or conceive apart from each other those things which perhaps i never perceived by sense so divided thus i imagine the trunk of a human body without the limbs or conceive the smell of a rose without thinking on the rose itself so far i will not deny i can abstract if that may properly be called abstraction which extends only to the conceiving separately such objects as it is possible may really exist or be actually perceived asunder but my conceiving or imagining power does not extend beyond the possibility of real existence or perception hence as it is impossible for me to see or feel anything without an actual sensation of that thing so it is impossible for me to conceive in my thoughts any sensible thing or object distinct from the sensation or perception of it note note in truth the object and the sensation are the same thing and cannot therefore be abstracted from each other edition seventeen ten six some truths there are so near and obvious to the mind that a man need only open his eyes to see them such i take this important one to be namely that all the choir of heaven and furniture of the earth in a word all those bodies which compose the mighty frame of the world have not any subsistence without a mind that their being essay is to be perceived or known that consequently so long as they are not actually perceived by me or do not exist in my mind or that of any other created spirit they must either have no existence at all or else subsist in the mind of some eternal spirit it being perfectly unintelligible and involving all the absurdity of abstraction to attribute to any single part of them an existence independent of a spirit note to be convinced of which the reader need only reflect and try to separate in his own thoughts the being of a sensible thing from its being perceived note to make this appear with all the light and evidence of an axiom it seems sufficient if i can but awaken the reflection of the reader that he may take an impartial view of his own meaning and in turn his thoughts upon the subject itself free and disengaged from all embarras of words and prepossession in favour of received mistakes edition seventeen ten seven second argument note from what has been said it follows there is not any other substance than spirit or that which perceives but for the fuller proof of this point let it be considered the sensible qualities are colour figure motion smell taste etc that is the ideas perceived by sense now for an idea to exist in an unperceiving thing is a manifest contradiction 
for to have an idea is all one as to perceive that wherefore wherein colour figure and the like qualities exist must perceive them hence it is clear there can be no unthinking substance or substratum of those ideas note vide section three and twenty five eight objection answer but say you though the ideas themselves do not exist without the mind yet there may be things like them whereof they are copies or resemblances which things exist without the mind in an unthinking substance i answer an idea can be like nothing but an idea a colour or figure can be like nothing but another colour or figure if we look but never so little into our thoughts we shall find it impossible for us to conceive a likeness except only between our ideas again i ask whether those supposed originals or external things of which our ideas are the pictures or representations be themselves perceivable or no if they are then they are ideas and we have gained our point but if you say they are not i appeal to any one whether it be sense to assert a colour is like something which is invisible hard or soft like something which is intangible and so of the rest nine the philosophical notion of matter involves a contradiction some there are who make a distinction betwixt primary and secondary qualities by the former they mean extension figure motion rest solidity or impenetrability and number by the latter they denote all other sensible qualities as colours sounds tastes and so forth the ideas we have of these they acknowledge not to be the resemblances of anything existing without the mind or unperceived but they will have our ideas of the primary qualities to be patterns or images of things which exist without the mind in an unthinking substance which they call matter by matter therefore we are to understand an inert senseless substance in which extension figure and motion do actually subsist but it is evident from what we have already shown that extension figure and motion are only ideas existing in the mind and that an idea can be like nothing but another idea and that consequently neither they nor their archetypes can exist in an unperceiving substance hence it is plain that the very notion of what is called matter or corporeal substance involves a contradiction in it note note insomuch that i should not think it necessary to spend more time in exposing its absurdity but because the tenet of the existence of matter seems to have taken so deep a root in the minds of philosophers and draws after it so many ill consequences i choose rather to be thought prolix and tedious than omit anything that might conduce to the full discovery and extirpation of the prejudice edition seventeen ten ten argumentum ad hominem they who assert that figure motion and the rest of the primary or original qualities do exist without the mind in unthinking substances do at the same time acknowledge that colours sounds heat cold and such like secondary qualities do not which they tell us are sensations existing in the mind alone that depend on and are occasioned by the different size texture and motion of the minute particles of matter this they take for an undoubted truth which they can demonstrate beyond all exception now if it be certain that those original qualities are inseparably united with the other sensible qualities and not even in thought capable of being abstracted from them it plainly follows that they exist only in the mind but i desire any one to reflect and to try whether he can by any abstraction of thought conceive the extension and motion of a body without all other sensible qualities for my own part i see evidently that it is not in my power to frame an idea of a body extended and moving 
but i must withal give it some colour or other sensible quality which is acknowledged to exist only in the mind in short extension figure and motion abstracted from all other qualities are inconceivable where therefore the other sensible qualities are there must these be also to wit in the mind and nowhere else eleven a second argument ad hominem again great and small swift and slow are allowed to exist nowhere without the mind being entirely relative and changing as the frame or position of the organs of sense varies the extension therefore which exists without the mind is neither great nor small the motion neither swift nor slow that is they are nothing at all but say you they are extension in general and motion in general thus we see how much the tenet of extended movable substances existing without the mind depends on the strange doctrine of abstract ideas and here i cannot but remark how nearly the vague and indeterminate description of matter or corporeal substance which the modern philosophers are run into by their own principles resembles that antiquated and so much ridiculed notion of materia prima to be met with in aristotle and his followers without extension solidity cannot be conceived since therefore it has been shown that extension exists not in an unthinking substance the same must also be true of solidity twelve that number is entirely the creature of the mind even though the other qualities be allowed to exist without will be evident to whoever considers that the same thing bears a different denomination of number as the mind views it with different respects thus the same extension is one or three or thirty-six according as the mind considers it with reference to a yard a foot or an inch number is so visibly relative and dependent on men's understanding that it is strange to think how any one should give it an absolute existence without the mind we say one book one page one line etc all these are equally units though some contain several of the others and in each instance it is plain the unit relates to some particular combination of ideas arbitrarily put together by the mind thirteen unity i know some will have to be a simple or uncompounded idea accompanying all other ideas into the mind that i have any such idea answering the word unity i do not find and if i had methinks i could not miss finding it on the contrary it should be the most familiar to my understanding since it is said to accompany all other ideas and to be perceived by all the ways of sensation and reflection to say no more it is an abstract idea fourteen a third argument ad hominem i shall farther add that after the same manner as modern philosophers prove certain sensible qualities to have no existence in matter or without the mind the same thing may be likewise proved of all other sensible qualities whatsoever thus for instance it is said that heat and cold are affections only of the mind and not at all patterns of real beings existing in the corporeal substances which excite them for that the same body which appears cold to one hand seems warm to another now why may we not as well argue that figure and extension are not patterns or resemblances of qualities existing in matter because to the same eye at different stations or eyes of a different texture at the same station they appear various and cannot therefore be the images of anything settled and determinate without the mind again it is proved that sweetness is not really in the sapid thing because the thing remaining unaltered the sweetness is changed into bitter as in the case of a fever or otherwise vitiated palate is it not as reasonable to say that motion is not without the mind 
since if the succession of ideas in the mind become swifter the motion it is acknowledged shall appear slower without any alteration in any external object fifteen not conclusive as to extension in short let any one consider those arguments which are thought manifestly to prove that colours and taste exist only in the mind and he shall find they may with equal force be brought to prove the same thing of extension figure and motion though it must be confessed this method of arguing does not so much prove that there is no extension or colour in an outward object as that we do not know by sense which is the true extension or colour of the object but the arguments foregoing plainly show it to be impossible that any colour or extension at all or other sensible quality whatsoever should exist in an unthinking subject without the mind or in truth that there should be any such thing as an outward object sixteen but let us examine a little the received opinion it is said extension is a mode or accident of matter and that matter is the substratum that supports it now i desire that you would explain to me what is meant by matter's supporting extension say you i have no idea of matter and therefore cannot explain it i answer though you have no positive yet if you have any meaning at all you must at least have a relative idea of matter though you know not what it is yet you must be supposed to know what relation it bears to accidents and what is meant by its supporting them it is evident support cannot here be taken in its usual or literal sense as when we say that pillars support a building in what sense therefore must it be taken note note for my part i am not able to discover any sense at all that can be applicable to it edition seventeen ten seventeen philosophical meaning of material substance divisible into two parts if we inquire into what the most accurate philosophers declare themselves to mean by material substance we shall find them acknowledge that they have no other meaning annexed to those sounds but the idea of being in general together with the relative notion of its supporting accidents the general idea of being appeareth to me the most abstract and incomprehensible of all other and as for its supporting accidents this as we have just now observed cannot be understood in the common sense of those words it must therefore be taken in some other sense but what that is they do not explain so that when i consider the two parts or branches which make the signification of the words material substance i am convinced there is no distinct meaning annexed to them but why should we trouble ourselves any farther in discussing this material substratum or support of figure and motion and other sensible qualities does it not suppose they have an existence without the mind and is not this a direct repugnancy and altogether inconceivable eighteen the existence of external bodies wants proof but though it were possible that solid figured movable substances may exist without the mind corresponding to the ideas we have of bodies yet how is it possible for us to know this either we must know it by sense or by reason as for our senses by them we have the knowledge only of our sensations ideas or those things that are immediately perceived by sense call them what you will but they do not inform us that things exist without the mind or unperceived like to those which are perceived this the materialists themselves acknowledge it remains therefore that if we have any knowledge at all of external things it must be by reason inferring their existence from what is immediately perceived by sense but what reason can induce us to believe the existence of bodies without the mind from what we perceive 
since the very patrons of matter themselves do not pretend there is any necessary connection betwixt them and our ideas i say it is granted on all hands and what happens in dreams frenzies and the like puts it beyond dispute that it is possible we might be affected with all the ideas we have now though there were no bodies existing without resembling them hence it is evident the supposition of external bodies is not necessary for the producing our ideas since it is granted they are produced sometimes and might possibly be produced always in the same order we see them in at present without their concurrence nineteen the existence of external bodies affords no explication of the manner in which our ideas are produced but though we might possibly have all our sensations without them yet perhaps it may be thought easier to conceive and explain the manner of their production by supposing external bodies in their likeness rather than otherwise and so it might be at least probable there are such things as bodies that excite their ideas in our minds but neither can this be said for though we give the materialists their external bodies they by their own confession are never the nearer knowing how our ideas are produced since they own themselves unable to comprehend in what manner body can act upon spirit or how it is possible it should imprint any idea in the mind hence it is evident the production of ideas or sensations in our minds can be no reason why we should suppose matter or corporeal substances since that is acknowledged to remain equally inexplicable with or without this supposition if therefore it were possible for bodies to exist without the mind yet to hold they do so must needs be a very precarious opinion since it is to suppose without any reason at all that god has created innumerable beings that are entirely useless and serve to no manner of purpose twenty dilemma in short if there were external bodies it is impossible we should ever come to know it and if there were not we might have the very same reasons to think there were that we have now suppose what no one can deny possible an intelligence without the help of external bodies to be affected with the same train of sensations or ideas that you are imprinted in the same order and with like vividness in his mind i ask whether that intelligence has not all the reason to believe the existence of corporeal substances represented by his ideas and exciting them in his mind that you can possibly have for believing the same thing of this there can be no question which one consideration were enough to make any reasonable person suspect the strength of whatever arguments he may think himself to have for the existence of bodies without the mind twenty one were it necessary to add any further proof against the existence of matter after what has been said i could instance several of those errors and difficulties not to mention impieties which have sprung from that tenet it has occasioned numberless controversies and disputes in philosophy and not a few of far greater moment in religion but i shall not enter into the detail of them in this place as well because i think arguments a posteriori are unnecessary for confirming what has been if i mistake not sufficiently demonstrated a priori as because i shall hereafter find occasion to speak somewhat of them twenty two i am afraid i have given cause to think i am needlessly prolix in handling this subject for to what purpose is it to dilate on that which may be demonstrated with the utmost evidence in a line or two to any one that is capable of the least reflection it is but looking into your own thoughts and so trying whether you can conceive it possible for a sound or figure or motion or colour to exist without the mind or unperceived 
this easy trial may perhaps make you see that what you contend for is a downright contradiction insomuch that i am content to put the whole upon this issue if you can but conceive it possible for one extended movable substance or in general for any one idea or anything like an idea to exist otherwise than in a mind perceiving it i shall readily give up the cause and as for all that compages of external bodies you contend for i shall grant you its existence though one you cannot either give me any reason why you believe it exists vide section fifty eight or two assign any use to it when it is supposed to exist vide section sixty i say the bare possibility of your opinions being true shall pass for an argument that it is so note that is although your argument be deficient in the two requisites of an hypothesis editor twenty three but say you surely there is nothing easier than for me to imagine trees for instance in a park or books existing in a closet and nobody by to perceive them i answer you may so there is no difficulty in it but what is all this i beseech you more than framing in your mind certain ideas which you call books and trees and at the same time omitting to frame the idea of any one that may perceive them but do not you yourself perceive or think of them all the while this therefore is nothing to the purpose it only shows you have the power of imagining or forming ideas in your mind but it does not show that you can conceive it possible the objects of your thought may exist without the mind to make out this it is necessary that you conceive them existing unconceived or unthought of which is a manifest repugnancy when we do our utmost to conceive the existence of external bodies we are all the while only contemplating our own ideas but the mind taking no notice of itself is deluded to think it can and does conceive bodies existing unthought of or without the mind though at the same time they are apprehended by or exist in itself a little attention will discover to any one the truth and evidence of what is here said and make it unnecessary to insist on any other proofs against the existence of material substance twenty four the absolute existence of unthinking things are words without a meaning it is very obvious upon the least inquiry into our thoughts to know whether it is possible for us to understand what is meant by the absolute existence of sensible objects in themselves or without the mind to me it is evident those words mark out either a direct contradiction or else nothing at all and to convince others of this i know no readier or fairer way than to entreat they would calmly attend to their own thoughts and if by this attention the emptiness or repugnancy of those expressions does appear surely nothing more is requisite for the conviction it is on this therefore that i insist to wit that the absolute existence of unthinking things are words without a meaning or which include a contradiction this is what i repeat and inculcate and earnestly recommend to the attentive thoughts of the reader twenty five third argument note vide section three and seven refutation of locke all our ideas sensations notions or the things which we perceive by whatsoever names they may be distinguished are visibly inactive there is nothing of power or agency included in them so that one idea or object of thought cannot produce or make any alteration in another to be satisfied of the truth of this there is nothing else requisite but a bare observation of our ideas for since they and every part of them exist only in the mind it follows that there is nothing in them but what is perceived 
but whoever shall attend to his ideas whether of sense or reflection will not perceive in them any power or activity there is therefore no such thing contained in them a little attention will discover to us that the very being of an idea implies passiveness and inertness in it insomuch that it is impossible for an idea to do anything or strictly speaking to be the cause of anything neither can it be the resemblance or pattern of any active being as is evident from section eight whence it plainly follows that extension figure and motion cannot be the cause of our sensations to say therefore that these are the effects of powers resulting from the configuration number motion and size of corpuscles must certainly be false note vide section 102 26 cause of ideas we perceive a continual succession of ideas some are anew excited others are changed or totally disappear there is therefore some cause of these ideas whereon they depend and which produces and changes them that this cause cannot be any quality or idea or combination of ideas is clear from the preceding section it must therefore be a substance but it has been shown that there is no corporeal or material substance it remains therefore that the cause of ideas is an incorporeal active substance or spirit. End of section 2